0: You ought to be able to give the Lord a big clap on that one for sure because that peace that you're singing about, that uh, ability to have calmness in the middle of a storm, that it's well with your soul, that comes through that relationship with Jesus Christ. He has the peace that passes all understanding that He ministers to us and it's called the peace that passes all understanding because you, you can't really explain to anyone why even in the middle of a crisis... You can be calm and peaceful and, and know that things are going to be ultimately okay with you. And that's because of your, your walk and your faith in Jesus Christ. If you have version, you'll have the notes. Let's pick up our series on being healthy. And I uh, really want to talk this morning about uh, in order for you to be the healthy Christian, you need to be, there's going to be some change involved. Uh, we need to experience some change to be healthy what we want to be I know when you go to the gym it's a little discouraging when you first start you're there with all those fit people have you noticed that you're there with all the you haven't okay well if you go to the gym you'll notice there's all of these fit people everywhere with bulging muscles and lean bodies and have you noticed in the gym it's wall-to-wall mirror so you can't escape the image of yourself Uh, And so uh, you're there with with fit people and and the reason you go to the gym is to be healthy and to see a new version of you emerge. That new version of you does not emerge after one trip to the gym. That new version of you emerges after many trips to the gym. Actually, that new image of you begins to show up in those mirrors only after many months of consistently... ...going to the gym. And I want to just take what you already know about being healthy physically... ...and I just want you to overlay it a little bit onto the scriptures this morning... ...and wrap your mind around being spiritually healthy is a very similar process. Uh, It doesn't happen because you come to the church once on Sunday for an hour, hour and a half. It happens because you're in a, a daily walk with Jesus Christ... And the change will not happen instantaneously. You don't believe on Christ, get baptized, and poof, now you are John the Baptist or something. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like I get saved and I'm baptized and the next thing you know, I no longer have a desire uh, for, you know, uh, the drugs I was addicted. I no longer have a desire to lust. I no longer have a desire to live in a sinful way. No, listen, d- just getting rid of the curse words may take a year or two. Okay well we 've got some very honest people here this morning. I just heard one of our deacons say, "Well, a little bit longer than that. okay well, listen, uh, and honesty 's good in the house of god okay let's let's let 's be right there for a while, okay. It takes time, but it also takes a desire for change. if you don 't want to lose the curse words you 'll never lose them you 'll just hold right on to them and so I want to just talk about those kinds of concepts very quickly this morning. I, I can tell you from an my point of view i am often frustrated with myself uh, i often experience i believe the same emotions that paul deals with when he talks about in the book of romans the things that i don't want to do or the things i do the things i want to do somehow i can't get them accomplished I want to be faithful, I want to be in the word, I want to be walking with God, I want to be in close fellowship, I want to be a man of God, I want to be a spiritual leader, I want to do right, I want to be these things, I want to act like this, I want to be this person. But so often I'm not, I'm the old person that I've always been. And Paul talked about that emotion. Uh, quite a lot where he struggled between that old hymn and that new hymn that's created in Christ Jesus. And there was a war going on in his own life. And so often, I think we fall back into the ruts of our old habits and our sinful behaviors. And in our hearts this morning, if you truly were honest, you'd say, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to go back to those old sinful habits. I don't want to disappoint Christ. I don't want to dishonor Christ. I don't want to be that person. But somehow that person's got a hold of me. That's who I am. But I want to change and become something else. I have a deep desire for spiritual growth, for spiritual change. And kind of like going to the gym. I'm often frustrated with myself. You know, you go in there and do some curls and you think, well, tomorrow when I look in the mirror, I'm going to see some biceps. And they're just not there yet, okay? Well, don't get frustrated with yourself spiritually if you prayed Or you read your Bible once or twice, but you haven't put that spiritual muscle on the frame yet. You have to stay with it, okay? You have to stay at it. You have to develop new habits. And I desire that change because I don't want to be the guy I have been or was. I want to be a better version of me. A version of me that looks more and more, week by week, month by month. When I look in the mirror, I want to see more of Jesus Christ in the way I think, in the way I act, in the way I speak. I want to see a little bit more of Christ staring back in the mirror at me when I assess my own life. And I believe, really, this is where Cornerstone is. This is where the people in the room here at this church, this is where we are as a body. We are seeking that spiritual growth that leads to real, genuine life change. The Christian life is a life of continual change. I'm going to go very slowly right here. This is what Christianity is about. It's about seeing new truths. Uh, Listen, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I preached a sermon series that I think rocked a lot of worlds. But the Christian life is about discovering new truths and becoming new And changing your opinions and changing your mind and lining up with Christ more and more as best you can. That's really what the Christian life is about. Here's our assessment question this morning. What about you? What about your life? What has changed lately in your life? Could you talk about the change that you've experienced in your life recently? This is a very important question. Great assessment question. If we were to sit down and have coffee later today at my kitchen table and I could say, man, just tell me about some of the changes that have happened in your life in the last months. What's happening with you? Talk to me about the change you're experiencing. This is the answers we're seeking for in this question. Would you have a short list that you could say, yeah, here's what's changed and here's what's changed in my behavior and I'm really asking God to help me with this, and I've seen now that this has become a habit, and I no longer have to fight to do this anymore. I've got it down to, could you speak about the changes that are happening in your life? Now let me give you the other side of this. I believe that many in the previous generations of Christians were mistaught about the basic nature of the Christian life. I believe many of our spiritual forefathers in the last generations were mistaught about the very nature of the Christian life. Uh, The previous generations, and then they passed it to us, we were taught that that lack of change was a merit badge of how spiritual we were. One of the proofs of our spiritual maturity was that we don't change. Well, guys, do you realize that that statement implies that you've got it all together and you've got it all figured out? So, you're, what you're really saying is, I've become Christ. Well, what arrogance. Listen, for the rest of us who have not yet become Christ, <laughs> uh, I'm speaking today, that we have a lot of changes left to, to live through. The previous generation, I remember even some of the songs we used to sing are, are quite unscriptural in, in how they d- developed. We used to sing, uh, I shall not be, I shall not be moved, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Remember that one? Just like a tree planted by the waters, Lord, I shall not be moved. Taken right out of Psalm number 1. The only problem is Psalm number 1 doesn't use the words, I shall not be moved. Psalm 1 says, like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit and its seasons, its leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever it does shall prosper. Psalm one's not talking about being stubborn, bullheaded, and immovable. Psalm chapter 1 is talking about dig your roots down deep spiritually and bear some serious spiritual fruit so that generations to come will have fruit and generations to come will have fruit and never stop doing that. And then the New Testament, the only place the word immovable shows up in your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's the resurrection chapter and Paul says based on that, based on knowing we are eyewitnesses of the resurrection... Therefore, be immovable, steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, that you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. When Paul said be immovable, he said be immovable in the fact that you're growing. (laughs) In other words, be stubborn about this. I want to keep changing. (laughs) I want to keep growing. I want to keep becoming who God wants me to be. We've come to learn that really the Christian life is a life of constant change. Don't let that destabilize you. Embrace that and just keep becoming more like Jesus Christ. There's a great verse in 2 Corinthians that I want to share with you. Chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. These who are going to be baptized today, What what really what you're symbolizing, buried in likeness to death, raised to walk in newness of life. You're a new creation in Jesus Christ. And now he's called you to... Walk more and more away from the old you and more and more to become like the new Jesus Christ living in you. That's exactly what he's calling you to live out. Let me show you this from the comparative versions ESV I just read. Therefore, for anyone in Christ, is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Present tense. Whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. This isn't in my notes, by the way, but it, when Satan shows back up and he's really good at this, he'll constantly slide right back, back into your, your, your thoughts and your ear and your, pull down on your shoulder a little bit and tap you and say, hey, you remember, and he'll start bringing up your past all the time. Yep. Satan constantly brings up your past. N- notice what God brings up. Whoever a believer in Christ is a new cre- creation. The old way of living psh, disappeared. A new way of living has now come into existence. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation, I think this is NIV actually. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Present tense. The old has gone. The new, let me just say something to the four being baptized. The new is here for you. Let me just say something to you. You've been saved 50 years. The new is still here for you. This is the new life. This is the new you. This is the new Christ being created in you. The new is happening right now. Not back when you got saved. I got saved as a little boy. Yes, I was old me had passed away, and the new me was coming, but I thought my had my whole life ahead of me still. And so I still had sinful behaviors to overcome. I still have growth uh, spiritually that needs to happen. And so it's not just we can drive a stake in the ground and say, okay, I became new on this date. It's really more like I look in the mirror every day and say, this is the new you. The new is here right now. Listen, maybe you really messed up that last week. Maybe it was a bad week for you spiritually. Maybe sin crept back into your life, got a hold of your thoughts, your tongue, your actions, I don't know. But here's the wonderful thing about being in Jesus Christ. Today is a new day. This week is a new week. And you just grab a hold of this verse from the Pauline Second Corinthians and you just say to yourself and to the devil and anybody else who cares to listen, this is the new me. And the new is right now. I'm not worried about yesterday. Old things have passed away. Forgetting those things that are behind, I press forward. Today is the new day, and today is the new me. A new me is here right now, and I can talk about the changes in my life. My personal standards may be changing. Your opinions about issues may be changing. Your tastes may be changing. There may be, uh, you ever notice this with food? Some things you hated 10 years ago, you kind of like it now. Anybody experience that? Your tastes change a little bit. Some things are an acquired taste. Listen, a similar thing can happen to you spiritually. Your spiritual appetites can change as well. Your attitudes can change. Your habits can change. Your speech is changing. What you love is changing. What you have passion for is changing. The goals of your life are shifting. Listen, I think every adult that becomes a disciple of Christ has this ambition to do certain things as an adult. And I think the more and more you become a disciple of Christ, you begin to adjust those ambitions a little bit. And you begin to merge them in line with not just what I want to do with my life, what does Christ want me to do with my life, how am I spiritually gifted. Let me merge those two things together and God show me how to use my your ambition shift, your mission in life shifts. Your purpose for living shifts. What motivates you begins to shift. Listen, a lot of people are motivated by money or fame or notoriety or popularity. Listen, as you mature spiritually, motivations begin to shift. And hopefully one day we wake up and we're more and more like Christ and we say, God, what I want to do today is please you. What I want to do today is be on your mission. I want to be your hands and your feet and your voice today to a lost world that needs to meet Jesus Christ. Because the mission of Christ's life has now become the mission of my life. So the Bible describes Christianity as a transformation. This is a word that shows up many times in the New Testament being transformed. I'm going to show you several verses in just a moment. Transformation. And I should be very clear with. Transformation implies change. So, I want to be sure we understand what we're talking about. Transformation is caterpillar to butterfly. Metamorphosis in the Bible, okay? It's a transformation. God is transforming you to be something else. And uh, the Bible describes us, I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 4 again this morning. Ephesians 4 describes us as two people, each one of you as two people. An old man and a new man. An old woman and a new woman. I don't mean biologically old. I mean a former you and the future you. How about that? The former me and the future me. And I'm in the right now developing the future me. But Here's the big question though. When you start hearing about the former you, the Bible calls him the old man. What do you do with the old man? See, when you got saved... You have a new nature now, and the Holy Spirit comes to live with you, and you want to follow Christ, but you also still have the old sinful nature hanging around. And that's why God says you have to crucify that guy. Paul's about to use these words, put off the old man. Give him this, okay? Give him the old shove, all right? Put the old guy in his place. Just put him off. Let me read for you, Ephesians Uh, 4, verse 17, 18, and 19 talk really about the life we lived uh, when we were without Christ, the the, the former us. Then verse 20 onward of Ephesians 4, there's a shift. And from 20, verse 20 onward, it begins to talk about uh, who we are as Christians now. Now that we are saved, here are the changes that should be taking place in our lives. So let me read 4.22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former self manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So hear what Paul's saying to us. You still have an old you hanging around. And you're going to have that old you. This is what Paul talked about Romans. oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He's saying that old guy just won't go away. <laughs> Cannot get rid of this old guy. I need to just... What could I do, you know, to, to get him to shut up and, and go away? And so now Paul is writing to the Corinth church, and he's saying you need to know how to deal with your former life. Deal with your former life in this way. Put off your old self. That old you belongs to your former manner of life. And the implication is very clear. Before you were saved. He's the guy you were, the gal you were before you were saved. But notice the, the phrasing, put off. Now that's an intentional action on your part. It's an intentional something you do that has to be exercised to put off the former self, the old you. God is working in your life. We all get that. You can feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You feel his presence. You you hear his voice. You're reading the word of God. You're, you're, You're being influenced by disciple makers and by spiritual influencers in your life. But you and only you can put off the old man. It's an action that each one of us must do. Because if we're sitting around saying, okay, God, you know I love you, transform me by edict, by proclamation. Just say, Bobby, you're transformed, poof, and make me what you want me to be. I don't see that anywhere in the scripture. I mean, Paul, we look at Paul as one of the best examples of a Christian ever, okay? And this is the guy who's telling us it's a struggle, it's a battle. Put off. It's an intentional step that you have to take to tell the old you, uh, uh, not today, sir. No. No, you just get out of here with that. That's not who I am anymore. That's not who I'm going to be. That's not who I you That your voice is not the voice I intend to listen to. The old actions are not going to become patterns that get me into a rut. You have to tell the old you, no. Now, God's working through people in your life. He's working through the church. He's working through the spirit. He's working through the word to transform you to the new you, the new self. But you have to say no to the old self. Paul says at the end of that verse that the old us was a corrupt person. You know, that's hard. That just kind of strikes you right in the heart, doesn't it? The old me, had to make, me make an I statement, a me statement. The old me was a corrupt me. The old you was a corrupt you. And we can't listen to that person anymore. We can't let the old us dominate our thinking and dominate our speech and dominate our actions. We want to suppress, repress, crucify. There's a lot of words used in the Bible. Mortify, therefore, your your deeds in the flesh. Tell that guy no. Because even the best among us this morning could not claim to be righteous on our own. We have a lot of things happening in our life, but whatever good is coming about, it's coming for many reasons. Because the Holy Spirit's transforming us, because the Word of God is getting into our hearts, because spiritual people are speaking into our lives. There's a lot of things at play here. Tell the old guy, no. And that's what I'm challenging you in the opening of this message, to, tell, to, to make a decision today and tell the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, as best I can this week, I want to I tell the old me, no. I want to put off my former self. Because God, I seek transformation. I seek spiritual change. I desire growth in the inward parts of my life. God, I want to be more like you and I can't listen to that guy's voice and be more like you at the same time. So God, help me to have discernment. Help me to have your power to be able to say no to my old self. So that's how you deal with him. Now Paul shifts and he says, let's talk about how do we engage the new you? What do we do with the new man? Verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Let me come back to that renewing just in a moment. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So he says to put off the old self and he says to put on the new self. It's almost like you would put on your sweater or your winter jacket this morning when you walked out of the house. You said, oh, it's a little chilly out here. It's 40-something degrees. Let me put on something. Let me take off something as I get warm. Similar. Those are the verbs in play here. Just like you would take something off and hang it in a closet, put all, take off the old man and put on the, embrace this one and move forward with the spiritual change that God is wanting to do in your life. Now you have to know, God is willing to do His part. But you and I have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to do our part. We have to be willing to say, okay, this part of my life doesn't really line up with Christ. I'm willing to make some changes in this area of my life. And when I list some of the changes in a moment that are results of this shift in, in, in the inner man, many of these behaviors are, are the, the context looks like the, the church. And I think there's a reason why this is to be practiced in the church first before maybe the, the the neighborhood and other places because the church is a place where you find encouragement to put on the christ-like version of yourself let me say it in a very simple way i'm not sure your co-workers or classmates at school are going to cheer you becoming more like jesus christ but in the church of jesus christ we cheer we celebrate we we, we root for christians becoming more like christ does that make sense So when we begin to live it out in the body of Christ where you have support, a support system, a community of people who are also being changed. Now I just want to tell you who the odd duck is in a church. The odd duck are the people who cross their arms and refuse to change. The people who said, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. You're always going to be the odd man out in a growing body of Jesus Christ. And the people, if you really want to fit into a church, put off the old self, embrace the new self, practice it in community, and watch the community uh, cheer for you, uh, put their arms around you, go hand in hand through those doors to live now in the world, the same thing that we practice in the church. And this is really what he's, what he's encouraging here. Here is the community that will go with you, that will cheer with you, that will celebrate with you. Now Paul lists several behaviors in these next verses, that are results of being transformed, okay? So, let, let me just let me read a few, and you, you'll see this very quickly. Ephesians 4, 25. Therefore, having put, away, uh, having put away falsehood, old KJV says, put away lying. It's really blunt. Put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another, So here's one of these changed behaviors. As God begins to transform you inside, you should stop lying. Can we all agree on that? It's not a Christ-like thing to do, run around lying all the time. You should stop lying and you should start telling the truth. The Bible's very interesting too in the way it deals with a lot of things. Many, many times in the Bible when it tells you to put away this guy, it says embrace this guy. When it tells you don't tell lies... It gives you something to replace lies with in your mouth. Start telling the truth. In other words, it doesn't just take something away. It gives you something to replace it with. So stop telling lies. Start telling the truth. And then at the end of the verse, it says, for we are members one of another because we're family. Listen, why would we lie to each other? We're family. (laughs) We should be precious and dear to each other. Uh, So practice telling the truth. Stop telling lies. and Start practicing telling the truth. And that's part of what the transformation does in your life. Here's another transformed behavior. Verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. As the spiritual transformation is taking place in your life. Say no to the old man. Embrace the new man. One of the behaviors that will change in your life. Is you'll stop sinful anger. And you'll start practicing reconciliation. Reconciliation. You'll stop blowing people up with temper and words. And you'll stop that anger that is so destructive. You'll stop practicing that. And you'll start practicing reconciliation. And then he tells you why. So the devil can't take advantage of us through our relationships. You know, there's nothing, I'm going to speak to those who are married for just a moment. There's nothing more miserable to be in a running fight with your wife or your husband. When that marriage relationship, when there is friction there and things aren't right in the relationship, there's nothing more miserable than that. And having to live that way day after day and letting things pile up and pile up and pile up, it's no way to live your life. Amen? Uh, And so, now just think about it on on every other relational basis. Uh, Listen, at work, nothing's more miserable than to go to work hating to go to work. Because you've got conflict at work. How miserable is that? And so this is kind of what he's saying. He's saying, listen, let's stop lying. Let's start speaking the truth. Listen, we are members one of another. We're, we're connected. And listen, anytime you're connected to somebody, you want, you want a great relationship. You want good communication. And, and as you're becoming transformed, y- y- you don't want to lie to people. You want to speak the truth in love. Look at, look at verse 28. Let the thief... Oh, that sounds like the former us, the, 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 the bad guy. Let the thief... No longer steal, but rather let him labor, work hard, get a, get, a, get a good job and work. Quit stealing and get a good job and do some honest work, do, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. What, what a fascinating verse. So as I'm being transformed spiritually, spiritually, physically, I begin to want to stop stealing. Because that's the old me, and the Holy Spirit's working in my life, saying that's not uh, that does not align with the lifestyle of Jesus Christ to be a thief. So steal no more. And what does align with the lifestyle of of the new birth and Christianity is work hard, get a good job, be a hardworking person. And and notice why. Notice why. Notice what the end result of this, that you may have something. To share with anyone in need. Now, it's really not in my notes, so I just kind of popped into my mind right here. Really, the American dream has run amok now. Let's all just be honest about that. Now the American dream is of the American greed. We're, We're beyond living comfortable lifestyles now. Now we've become hoarders. Now we've become people who worship, as Pastor David preached just a few weeks ago. He preached it so nicely and politely. It didn't come out this way. Maybe you missed it. But what he was preaching is we be, comforts become an idol to us, a God to us. Safety has become a God to us. So, you know, Living an easy life has become kind of a God to us. And nothing is to be in first place but Jesus Christ. And really, he says, I want, God's people are people who work hard. The new you is a person who says, I want to work hard. Listen, we've had people in this church, wonderful people who've retired... And I've said, well, what are you doing? They're like, well, I went and got a part-time job. And I'm like, well, why don't you get a part-time job, man? You've been working all your life. Take it easy. And they're like, well, on my pension, I don't have enough to give. So I work another job now in my retirement, and I take everything I make in that job, and I give it to missions, and I give it to ministry, and I give it so we can spread the gospel, and I give it to people who are need, and I just have that part-time job. Just God, give us a church full of people like that, who have a heart like that, God, give us a church full of young people who want to build great businesses and want to build great companies not so we can just keep getting a two-car garage, a three-car garage, a four-car garage, a five-car garage, a six-car... 2,500 square feet, 3,500 square feet, 45... I mean, what is enough, guys? What is enough? Solomon played this game already. He said it's a losing proposition. Vanity of vanities, it's all a waste. There's nothing to materialism. Instead, seek God with your whole heart. You see... The the Bible is telling us when we're transformed, it begins to affect how I spend my money, how I want to earn money. It affects my work ethic. Stop stealing. Be honest in my business dealings. Okay, get a job. Work hard. Surely, he understands so that we can meet the needs of our family, but that we have some left over that we can give. Exactly. Be givers. Because nothing is more like a God than being a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave the most valuable thing in the universe to you. And if he will not spare his own son, Paul said in Romans, but freely give his own son to us, what would he withhold from us? Surely he would give us anything we we would ask for. All right, so you see how this is working now. Look at verse 29. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths. Ouchie, ouchie, this is a tough one. Let no corrupt talking come out of your mouths. But only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. When the spiritual transformation is happening in our lives, we we stop using corrupt language, and we start using encouraging language. We talk to people better than they deserve. Now, I'm a big fan of this, especially if you're parenting children. While they're very young, you need to begin to speak into their life. Not who they are, but who you see they can be. You start telling your daughter, you will be president of the United States. You will be a senator. You will be a federal judge. You will own your own business. You're smart. You're brilliant. Speak into your lives of the people you have relationships with. Encouraging, edifying, edifying, to build up, to build up, to build up. Show them who they... They don't know who they can be yet. You're much more mature. You've lived much of your life already. You've seen the world. Start speaking into your children what they can become. Listen, if you're a disciple maker in this church, when you sit with your disciples and they start saying, well, here's who I am... And they start talking about, oh, I'm just a poor sinner. You, you pull their focus over here and you say, no, this is who you are in Jesus Christ. The old has passed away. The new is here today. And this is who you're going to become in Jesus Christ. Here's what Christ is like and here's what you're going to be like. And these are some of those things right here. And it's not just about the behavior. It's about the inward transformation that sparks the outward behavior. Uh, look down at verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let me just put it in plain English. Stop fighting against the Holy Spirit. And instead, submit to Him. So when God speaks to your heart and says, Hey, just witness to this person. And what do we say to ourselves? What does the old man say? When the Holy Spirit says, witness right here to this guy, the old man says, oh, don't do it. Don't don't embarrass yourself. Don't embarrass this person. Listen, they're on the clock right now. They don't want to talk about Jesus. Listen, we're doing something fun right now. Don't distract... That's what the old man says, and the Holy Spirit's saying, no, no, I've prepped their heart. They're ready to go right now. Just put the word in there. This person is hurting, and you don't even know they're hurting. I remember the one day I walked through the garden department at Walmart, and I was going in. I, a lot of times I'll park at the garden section to avoid all the traffic at the front door, and I slipped in through the garden area, and there was a woman there with a blue vest on who worked there. And, and, and for some reason, I just, the Holy Spirit said, say something to this lady. And it was Saturday, and I've got things to do, and I've got errands to run. And I turned back around, went over there, and I said, hey, I just want to, and I just started a conversation with her. Listen, in less than two minutes, hot tears were running down her cheeks. And I said, I don't want to tell you her personal business, but she had a family member, a daughter who was somewhere in the world, and she didn't know where she, I just, we had a nice conversation. But that woman was hurting. And I didn't know she was hurting, but God knew she was hurting. And all she needed was someone to pray with her and show her some love and tell her God knew where her child was. And God is there. And let God work. All I'm saying is how often are we resisting the Holy Spirit? Let me say it another way. He's God. How often are we resisting God? The God who saved us and who wants to transform us. We're resisting Him And the Bible says, stop resisting him. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but submit to him. Listen, he's working for your good, not for your bad. He's the one that's trying to transform you from the inside. Let him have control. We've got our hands on the steering wheel and the levers, and we just have a death grip, and we will not let go. You know that great theologian, is it Carrie Underwood? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Take your hands off the wheel, and let Jesus have the controls of your life. The Holy Spirit's not going to steer you into the ditch. The Holy Spirit's not going to steer you back into a sinful lifestyle. The Holy Spirit's going to direct your course so that your steps are ordered, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. God's going to guide you to be more like him. Let me read you one more, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Stop being a malicious and angry and bitter person. And start being a kind hearted and forgiving person. As the transformation's happening, some of this bitterness, some of this anger that we carried from the former us into this Christian life, it needs to be pushed down and pushed down and pushed down until we become forgiving, loving, edifying, <clears throat> encouraging people. What it means is we can let some things go, we can forgive and move forward. We can even move forward and forgive when a person doesn't deserve our forgiveness. That's the way God forgives. We didn't deserve forgiveness. But he forgave us completely. And he never brings it up again. As a matter of fact, when I go to God, I find that God has already moved on in our relationship. That, that stuff that we I used to do that was been forgiven and put under the blood of Christ and paid for by his sacrifice on the cross, as I engage Christ in my new walk, he's already moved on. He's already moved on. That stuff's swept as far as the east is from the west, buried in the sea of God's forgetfulness. Whatever idiom of speech you want, God's moved on. And he just wants to talk about where we're going from here. You don't want to rehash all of the past of where we've been. Just let the mud dry and fall off. And let's just keep moving forward with Jesus Christ. Let me give you one last thing. The big point is this morning we have to renew our mind. The renewal that sparks the outward behavior is an inward renewal. So we're not here at Cornerstone really primarily focused on compliance in behavior... We're not trying to get you to behave a certain way as we are to get you to be transformed by the Holy Spirit because you can can follow rules uh, when people are watching or you can can comply but really not be changed on the inside. We'd rather you be changed on the inside and let the compliance come slowly to be more and more like Christ. So focusing on inward change really is the first priority uh, here at Cornerstone because God is prescribing a very deep, very personal transformation inside change first god knows that if our minds are changed if our thinking is changed then our speech and our behavior and our attitudes will follow suit in that change let's talk about cells real quick before we close your, your body's made up between 50 and 75 trillion cells that's a lot of little cells that make you you and each of Uh, Each type of cell within your body has its own lifespan. As a matter of fact, when a human body dies, it may take hours for all of the, sometimes days, before all of the cells actually die in the body. And forensic scientists take use of this morbid detail to be able to tell time of death and, and, and things like that because they can analyze different cells and they know how long the lifespan of cells can be. Red blood cells can live for four months. White blood cells can live more than a year. Your skin cells live two to three weeks. That's why you're sloughing off skin every once in a while. Two to three weeks is the lifespan of a skin cell. Colon cells, which I guess we could all agree, have a pretty rough job. Colon cells die after four days. I understand why. Brain cells Brain cells, however, typically will last an entire lifetime. Neurons in the cerebral cortex they, they, they live your whole life, and if they die somewhere in your journey, they are not replaced. They are not regenerated. Hear what i 'm saying: your mind is not regenerating cells. Now we can talk about drugs and alcohol and a lot of things right here. And protection of brain cells. That's a whole other conversation for another day. Your mind does not regenerate cells like the other parts of your body do at least. The renewing that your mind needs is not going to be a physical one. Because you can't regenerate those missing cells. Paul says I'm calling for a mental regeneration that's spiritual. You need a supernatural, you need a spiritual renewal of your mind. Let me read verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You need a mental renewing, a mental regeneration. He's talking about a, a daily renewal as a believer in Jesus Christ. Your body has to be renewed every day. That's why we say you need to get like eight hours of sleep tonight. Well, why do I need to get eight hours of sleep tonight? Because your body needs to be renewed. That's why. And for little ones, that's when you grow. And for big ones, that's when you renew. Your cells need to regenerate. That's why we're saying to you, you need to eat healthy this week so that your body cells can in a healthy way regenerate skin, blood, organ tissue. Does that make sense? Eat healthy, get rest, do these physical things so the physical parts of your body can regenerate and be made new. This is how you get an immune system. This is how you get energy. This is how you stay healthy. Okay, now apply that spiritually and you'll understand what Paul is talking about. You need a mental, you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 2 Corinthians 4.16, he said this, So we do not lose heart, though the outward self is wasting away, the inward self is being renewed day by day. Now, Paul said it this way. Now, Paul was all into exercise, so don't think Paul's saying don't hit the gym. It's not what he's saying. Uh, what Paul's saying is, though, regardless of how good you eat and regardless of how you exercise, eventually your body will pass. You, you will not be able, you will not discover the fountain of youth. You're going to perish physically. But the Word of God gives you lots of good news about this. If you're a born-again child of God, don't worry about ultimately the body's going to fail because God's already promised you and given you a down payment on the fact that you get a new body in the resurrection. And listen, in the resurrection, maybe for the first time, we're going to find those abs, okay? We're going to find a, a healthy body that we've been looking for and you eventually get that. But what the Word of God says right now... Please give some attention, not just to the gym and the physical body, but to the renewing of your spiritual person that lives inside the body. It's a theme that runs through the Pauline epistles. Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Here it comes. But be transformed by the renewal of of your mind the devil wants to wear you down and tear you down by putting lies and misinformation into your mind he wants to destroy you God conversely wants to transform the old you into a new you by putting constantly his truth into your mind do you see the two opposite things Satan says you're nothing, you're a worthless sinner. He heaps guilt on you. He puts low self-worth on you. Christ does exactly the opposite. He said you're so valuable that I gave my life for you. Heaven thinks you're valuable. Heaven gives you a future. Jeremiah says I have a future planned for you. I have good things planned for you. There's a great life ahead for you and a great eternity ruling with Christ and serving him ahead of you. Colossians says this, Do not lie one to another, seeing you put off the old self with his practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. And I just I preach this sermon from like five different books. You see what's happening. Put off the old, put on the new, renew your mind by taking in the truth and yielding to the Holy Spirit. There's something you can do every day That will renew you spiritually. I see these commercials where they take this serum and they put it under their eyes. And they do a time-lapsed photo. And the bags just go away. Crow's feet disappear. And just like you would take that serum and put it under your eyes every day consistently. So that you would see some outward change. The Bible is prescribing, please, please open up this book and take in the serum of renewing truth into your soul and let the Holy Spirit of God roll that around in your brain and in your mind and in your heart. And think about things like trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your. Just take that serum and let it roll around in your brain. You see what it's happening? And it's renewing your thinking. I just shared the password with someone on Wi Fi, by the way. All right. Uh, uh, A carnal person says, hit the gym. A spiritual person says, hit the gym and yield to the spirit and get the word of God in. Spiritual person says, yes, hit the gym, but also hit discipleship group. It's the gym for the spiritual man. It's where I have a personal trainer who's going to work me out a little bit around the word of God and become a different person Who follows Christ. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I want you to think about what was said this morning. There are no perfect people here. I don't want to imply that to you. There's no perfect people here. But there's people here that are being transformed. There are people here that are being changed. There are people here that are becoming new. And I pray that you are some of those people. That are being transformed to be like Jesus Christ. Maybe you're one of those people who would say, man, I'm longing to be a new person in Christ. I just, I'm hungry for this. Please, God, make me new in Christ. I want to remind you what the verse said. The new is here. The old has passed away. The new is here right now. And I want everybody here this morning, this, this kind of a group community decision we need to make together. With your head bowed, would you just say, To the God who loves you and saved you, would you say, God, this morning I am making the decision to put off the old man and to put on the new man? God, that is one of the decisions I'm making right now. I'm going to put off the old man, and I realize it's not a one-time thing, it's a daily thing. And I'm going to put on the new man. And I came to church today to hear this message so I could learn to do this. Lord, this morning, today, maybe even tomorrow morning would be a good starting point where I'm just going to give the Holy Spirit complete control of my life. Holy Spirit, here's the conversation I want to have with you. Please change me. Please renew me. Please transform me. Make me like Jesus Christ. I realize I need to take my hands off the controls I've been gripping so tightly. So this morning, I I just take my hands off the reins of my own life, and I hand the reins to you. Holy Spirit, I know you're going to lead me in the right way. You're going to lead me to the change that needs to happen in my life. If you came into the house of God today, and maybe you believe there's a God before you got here, but you didn't have a personal relationship with him, Why don't you pray this morning and ask him to come into your heart and begin that relationship? That's the starting point of everything. The Bible says that even while we were sinners, God demonstrated his love for us. And he sent his son to die on the cross to be our substitute. He stood in our place because we were sinners and our sin had to be paid for. Jesus Christ paid for it. He was buried and he rose again. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Will be saved If you're ready to call upon him this morning I just want to lead you in that simple prayer Pray like this, dear God I confess to you that I'm a sinner I need a Savior, that's clear And Jesus, I believe you are the Savior The only Savior of the world And this morning I transfer my trust to you I open my heart and my life I ask you to forgive me of my sins, wash me and cleanse me as I repent and turn away from the old man, the old lifestyle. And I turn to live for you, Jesus. Come into my heart and life and be the Lord and Savior of my life. Lord, thank you for loving me. And thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name.